We're going to be in Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7. I am, uh, being a Christian, uh, a foundational thing of Christianity is a thing called faith. Uh, you don't have Christianity without faith. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith. Uh, we're glad God does all the work, does everything. Our part, we got to believe, got to accept it. Faith is foundational to who we are. I mean, you have to have faith as a Christian. I mean, really, when you think about it, it is a primary uh, substance for us that we not only have faith, but that we grow in faith. Uh, every, you think about everything. Hebrews eleven six. You can't please God without faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's what the Bible says. In other words, you get saved by faith. So there's a saving faith. And aren't you glad it's just, you just need a little bit of faith to be saved? The size of a grain of a mustard seed. Think about that. God says, you just have enough to believe what I did, what I said, you accept me. He goes, then I'll save you. Well, praise the Lord for that. I'm glad I got saved at 11. I, I love that. That God took uh, my words and my heart and he saved me. I mean, Because I had the faith to ask him. I love that. And so he saved me. But in that, in my Christian life, if I'm going to please God, can I tell you? Faith has to be a central part of that. Of everything that we're doing, we've got to be growing in our faith. Why? You can't please God without it. I, I'm serious. I don't care what you do. I don't care. I'm walking up here. You've got amazing orchestra and choir and piano players. And I'm like, wow, this is great. But can I tell you? Without faith. Without faith. We're not where we need to be. So can I challenge you, church, a church who loves God? I hope that every year you're growing in your faith. Because one of the saddest verses in the Bible to the of disciples is this, oh, ye of little faith. Man, every time I hear that, I go, ooh, ouch, ouch. How would you like if Jesus came and said, oh, ye of little faith? That wasn't a compliment. This wasn't a compliment. Matter of fact, he was like, you know, I'm very, very sad that you've been with me this long, and this is where your faith is at. Can I challenge us today to look at this? Where is our faith at? Where is our faith at? I love this story. It's a classic story. It's really one of my top favorite stories. I wasn't planning on preaching it today. The Lord just kind of changed my heart, so we're going to go here. But I love this passage. Now, at our place, we stand when we do the reading of the Word. Is that, is that okay? You don't have to. If you're not able to, we'll stand and read. It's not an offense to me at all. I just notice people stand at weddings, stand for the judge. I'm like, eh, stand for the Word. You know, show him respect. So if you want to know why we do that in some churches, that's why. If they don't, it's not a sin. You know, so but Luke chapter 7, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, now when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum, and a certain centurion's servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he said unto the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I self, myself worthy to come unto thee, but saying a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, Go, and he goeth. To another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about, and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith. I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Now, stop thinking about that. Now, this is the God of heaven. And uh, all of a sudden, this man comes and comes and tells him the story. And Jesus stops and says this, I have not found so great faith. We know of a little faith, the disciples. But now he says great faith. 
Now, that may not get your attention, but as a preacher, that catches my attention. When Jesus calls something great faith, can I tell you? We need to know what that is. Because we can only please him through faith. And part of our Christian life is what? Growing in faith. And I hope today that your heart when you leave today is this. Lord, help me to be a man, a woman, a young person of great faith. Not just normal, not just average, but Lord, I want to please you because you saved me. I want to do more for you than ever. I want the church to do more than ever. To do that, there's, there's one element we have to have, great faith. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord, we come to you now. Lord, we thank you and praise you. Lord, the next verse says, you heal the servant. And Lord, but you are astounded by the great faith. You've said, not even in all of Israel you've seen this. And Lord, as we stop now and evaluate this thing called faith, and Lord, we're familiar with it. Many are saved here today. Probably most have accepted you. Some probably not, but most have, Lord, and they, they did that by faith, accepting you. Lord, we grow in faith. We learn in faith. We please you in faith. But, Lord, we want to attain to another level, a level called great faith. One, Lord, that uh, as you look at us, you'd realize, Lord, this is a people. This is a people who really trusted you. Lord, I pray for Oakwood, Lord, Baptist Church, their pastor, the members, the leadership here. You'd use them in a great way. And may this be a church known, Lord known as a church of great faith, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Be seated. Like I said, I love this story. It is one of those things that just resonates with me, because I'll be honest, I, I want to be. I, I, I could sit up here and say, that, man, I'm a man of great faith. I, I don't know. I, I want to be. I really want to be. I don't think you can judge yourself. I don't think I can stand there and judge myself and say that I am, but I know what my heart is. When God really impressed a passage on me several years ago, it was this. I want to be that guy. I would love to be that guy that God says, okay, that's a guy of great faith. Why? There's very few things that we can give back to God. Are you aware of that? I mean, not, I can't do anything for God. He's God. But I know he likes faith. And so guess what? The one thing I know I can give back to him that he is pleased with, if I become a person who trusts him and has great faith. And I thought, man. So I began to look at this chapter and, and we see this. We, he's got a six and, uh, sick servant. And it's amazing because well, he's a Roman. He's a proselyte Jew is what he is. But his, his uh, uh, nationality is a Roman. And, and we see from the story here that he's got a servant. And the servant falls sick. And he can't do anything. I can imagine from the story he's done everything he could. He took him to every doctor they could and tried everything that they had at the time. Paid money. Sent him to the Mayo Clinic. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, everything you could do. And nobody could help. Nobody. And this man's like, I don't, I don't know how to help. Talk about compassion. Normally in those days, you just go buy another servant. Now think about it. It's like, well, get him out of here. Can't do your job? Get him out of here. I don't care about you. Oh, it's like a passionate man. He's built them a synagogue. This is a religious man. This guy's in. And matter of fact, as he hears about this, he sends, as you read the story, for Jesus to come. Well, as I began walking through this, I began to say, okay, since I like and want great faith, I want to see how he got it. And in Scripture, God gives us these hints. And so we're going to kind of take this story and break it down a little bit. Let's look at it one more time. We see this, and it begins in verse 3 for me. And when he heard of Jesus, as I began to think of faith, the first point is very simple. Great faith comes by hearing. Now, you know Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? That's right. You cannot, you cannot have faith without the Word of God. That's why you come in here preaching. Great faith comes from, begins by this, beginning faith. And then I got to hear the Word of God. If you go back to chapter 4, and go ahead and go back there real quick. We're there. We got time. Nobody's going anywhere. Lock the doors, ushers. Verse 37. How do you hear about Jesus? 
1, Luke 4, 37, and the fame of him went out into every place of the country round about. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with great fever, and they besought him for her. And then he stands over her and, and rebuked the fever, and it left her. Now look at verse 40. Now when the sun was setting, all they that had any sick with divers diseases brought them unto him. He laid hands on them, every one of them, and healed them. Verse 41, even the devils also came out of many. But verse 37, his fame went everywhere. By the time we get to chapter 7, listen, he's healed the sick. I mean, he's, he's cast out demons. And his fame is in every single province, everywhere. Everyone's heard. So when we come to Luke 7, we just have one little thought there. And he heard that Jesus was coming. What did he hear? Probably all those stories. He heard about the demons being cast out, people being healed. I mean, he's a guy of important position. He's a centurion. He's got people underneath him. He's got power. He gets the news, folks. He understands. That's his region. He's also religious, so he's interested in this man called Jesus. He knows the division between the Jews and Jesus. And what's taking, he's watching all this take place. And as he's there, all of a sudden a servant gets sick. He's tried everything, and the thought is, there's a man coming called Jesus. Hey, you know what? Let's try that one. I love that. But the way he did it is he heard it. And here's a thought. The Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, this is simple, and yet it's not. You say what? I know instead of going, Pastor asked, did you read your Bible this week? Um, it would surprise you how many believers have never read their Bible through. Now, I'm not going to ask you. I'm not here to embarrass anybody. I know several years ago in our church, I gave a challenge to our church. A gentleman, 70 years old. He was 70, 71. Brother Swigert. Uh, I mean, been in church for years and years, never read it. I mean, faithful, never read his Bible all the way through. He reads his Bible, never did that. He took the challenge. I don't know. I can't remember how long it took him, maybe a year and a half. You know, you can go past a year and it's still spiritual. <laughs> if it takes you 13 months, it's okay. You know, it took me 18. You're still spiritual. It's okay. What, what I'm saying, though, can you, listen, we're Christians, and I'm telling you, a major, I mean a majority of Christians, are you ready? If we were to take a poll, I would say five years, 10 years, 20 years, have never read the Bible all the way through. You've read, read verses. You've read the daily devotionals. You've done that. No, I'm serious. Can I challenge you real quick? Hey, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Every believer, every believer should have read this Bible all the way through. No, I want you to stop thinking about that. Everybody. Folks, that's our book. I'm I'm if I ran into a Muslim, they didn't know the Quran, I'd say, see, you're not a real Muslim. No, seriously. If I ran into a Mormon, they don't know the Book of Mormon. If I know more about the Book of Mormon than a Mormon does, can I tell you, I've got questions about their faith. You run into a Christian, a fundamental Baptist, and they've not read their Bible through, and they say, hey, have you ever read the Bible? Well, I've read part of it. Have you ever read it through? Well, well no, i got questions how serious you are. Okay, it's getting real quiet. So guess what? I want to help you. Are you ready? I always believe start where you're at. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> don't want any embarrassment. Can I tell you? If that's you, start today. You set a goal. I want to read my Bible through. Why? Because I can only please God through faith. And the way I get that faith is, yes, preaching the Word of God, but faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You ought to make it a goal. The most important thing, the most important book we have on planet Earth is Thus Saith the Word of God. It ought to be a goal of yours. And I've read it through, and really multiple times, but at least one time. So the, the beginning, and here's where it begins. Okay, preacher, I got that. I know that. We're in a good church. We hear that all the time. I'm just repeating it. But before we can get to great faith, wait a minute. You can't have great faith until, guess what? You, you hear. If you're not going to hear the Word of God, there's not a switch I can give you that suddenly I have great faith. If you're not going to get in the Word and hear the Word, you can kiss great faith goodbye. Now, I'm going to tell you right now, that is, you'll never attain that. You will be probably one of this. Well, you're a believer on your way to heaven. 
and you'll hear this a lot, oh, ye of little faith. Why? Because you're not in the Word. Man, the Word empowers us and enriches us. Sharper than a two-edged sword. Man, I love the Word of God. Am I overemphasizing that for anybody yet? I think you get the point. Point one is very simply. Now, we got that one. That's not a new message. We got that. So that, that I wasn't like totally impressed when I first read that. I wasn't like, whoa, man, you blew my mind. Read the book. No, that, that didn't impress me, but I knew it was foundational. So then I read on. Let's look at the rest of the story. So that's one part. He then said, um, they come to Jesus in verse 4. They, he sends these other people, the elders of the Jews. They say, verse 5, you love our nation. You built us a synagogue. Man, this guy gives. Uh, then Jesus went with them, and when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in the word, and my servant shall be healed. Wow. This guy's got great power. And one thing I noticed about people with power is they, they like to show off that power. They like to use that power. He's got a nice house, I can imagine. I mean, nice house. And people with nice houses is another thing that they do. They like you to see it. The normal is bring Jesus here. I'm a busy man. Bring him here. That's what he sent. Send for him. Bring, bring him to my house. Then part, part, part way there, they're like, no, 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 no. Don't bring him to the house. I'm like, oh, the house isn't ready? No, no, no. He tells you, I'm not worthy. Normally in a big house, you come and We've been invited to a lot of nice houses, and I have nothing against nice houses. Uh, but we'll be invited, and about every time people say, you want to see it? And I lie. Yes, I would love to see your house. Now, my wife would, but inside I'm like, I don't care. You say, why? I don't live here, and I'm not going to remember. And we've got this nice walk-in bathroom that you'll never be able to use. <laughs> a nice jacuzzi tub that is so nice and bubbles all over our body, and you don't get to use that either. Well, thank you. And... Uh, We've got 12 rooms, 14 bathrooms, uh, a pool in the back, and, uh, and it's nice. And, and uh, I mean, it's wonderful. We went to one house uh, we were staying with that was our um, guest house. Uh, millions, I mean, millions of dollars. Millions. Uh, probably my favorite story there is we were getting ready to go golfing. And before we went golfing, the wife, I mean, millions. I'm not talking a million, millions. He'd won the lottery. Like $80 million. Built this house, built a profits chamber for guest ministers. And uh, so I, I went there often to preach. And, uh, <laughs> but, but it's so funny. So we're getting ready to go golfing. And four, his wife says, stop, stop, stop. I have a coupon. <laughs> uh, I'm not against coupons, okay? It just was funny to me. It's like, no, no. We are frugal. No, you're not. You live in a multi-million dollar mansion. The coupon doesn't matter. That was extra. Anyways, uh, but no, we're walking through the house, they're showing, that's what you do, it's fine. You know what I'm saying? What I'm saying is, that's normal. If you have something that you want to show people, he's not doing that. Now, I don't know what his house is, but I don't think it's a dump. He built them a synagogue. If you can build a church, you probably have a nice house. And instead, he's like, no, 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 don't come. And not because, Jesus, you're unworthy. Are you ready? I'm unworthy. And this is what he said. I am so unworthy that I need you. Humility is a key ingredient to faith. Some of you are stuck at just hearing the word of God. Like, I never grow in my faith. I'm going to tell you why. You've got too much pride. You won't stop and ask for help. If you can't stop and ask for help, you can't grow. Years ago, I remember this, that this man does stop and ask for help. Remember a story years ago. I was um, 
This is going to surprise you, but I, I like basketball. This body is not a basketball body right now. But up until probably until about your pastor's age, I played basketball three times a week at the local YMCA. And uh, I busted my ankle, and that pretty much ended it for me, as it didn't really heal real well after that. Uh, but three, three times a week, when I could, my schedule allowed, I was there. That was my exercise, running up and down the court. Uh, sometimes you get in that last game, you know, you're running behind. I'm like, man, I got to get home and shower real quick and get back to work. And so uh, that was a routine. So I come running home, and, and uh, I let the dog out. And when I did, the dog w- went crazy. Now, our dog was crazy, but not this crazy. And uh, so I heard this crazy barking. So I remember running outside going, what in the world? And the dog ran over. We have the uh, gutters that come down. And the dog was by the gutter, I mean, literally going crazy. And I'm like, what in the world? So I walk over there, and I hear this. Well, being educated, I quickly deducted there's an animal there. And sure enough, there was a squirrel. We got tons of squirrels. A squirrel had climbed up and got stuck in our gutter. And my thought is, you're going to die. And I don't know what happened. Sympathy came over, and I realized that squirrel can't get out. It was stuck. That gutter had come down, and it was pinched, so it couldn't get through, and it couldn't climb up. And so I decided to have this mercy about me uh, to help this squirrel. And uh, so I went and got a screwdriver, and, and uh, of course, I had to put up the dog. The dog was going crazy, scaring the squirrel. So I put the dog up, locked it up, got a screwdriver, took off the bottom piece, pulled it out, and went, you're free! Free! And the dumb thing wouldn't move. Matter of fact, at one point, it turned around and stuck its head out, and I'm like, come on. Come on. I even backed away going, you're free. It wouldn't do it. It turned like, you could hear it crawling up, scraping. So then I decided, uh, I got to get the squirrel out, man, because now it's a challenge. (laughs) First, it was a salvation rescue mission. That was a challenge. So I went and I got a a broom and I just started pounding on it. Boom, 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 boom. So you hear, and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm here to save your life. I put the dog up. I got, just come out. I mean, it wouldn't do it. What, now I'm mad. So I went and got a ladder. Put the ladder up, went up, got a hose. <laughs> I'm going to drown this baby out is what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah, we're going from a rescue mission to a drowning mission now. I literally put the hose to the top, turned that baby on full blast. <laughs> that dumb squirrel would not come out. Again, <laughs> I was waterboarding the dumb thing, and it wouldn't come out, okay? I'm like, what? how much more can you take? And I'm like, okay. So it's stopping there, and it's not coming out. So I'm sitting there going, okay, I can't go to work now. I'm, I'm a Texas secretary. I'm going to be late. Why? One of us is winning. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be me. So I looked, and it kept sliding down. And I thought, I'm going to pull it out. I'm a man. I can do this, okay? I'll pull this baby out. So I did. I got down. And it would slide down, the tail would come out a little bit. And I'm like, I'm just going to flick it and throw it. And so it was it. Oh, you have little faith. <laughs> so I got down, tail came, and I'm like this, a little nervous. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. So I, I grab it and whoosh, yeah, got it. You know, you could pull a squirrel's tail off. Did you know that? <laughs> I did not know that. I, uh. I pulled his tail off, half of it. <laughs> Named him Stubby. <laughs> Stubby was still around two years later. How do you know? Mm, his name is Stubby. <laughs> Everybody has a long tail. He's got half a tail. I'm like, I know you. <laughs> he finally jumped down and took off. I never forgot that for this reason. I'm like, I am there to help you. 
to save your life. And you're like, I'll do it on my own. You know what? He couldn't. Or she. I didn't really check. <laughs> Somebody couldn't. Whoever it was couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. And here I am trying to help. And I think about this all the time. How we come to church and God says, uh, I'm here for you. Trust me. And I want to help your life. And uh, we don't. We refuse to humble ourselves and follow what his word says. So not only do we not read it, we hear sermons about direction, about how to raise our family. Ah, it don't work. I can't tell you how many sermons I've preached on family. People are like, it doesn't work for our family because you're the exception. Isn't it funny how we're always the exception? By the way, that's how we get the stats. Thank you. We get the stats because there's so many stubborn, prideful people who will not humble themselves. You know what I've caught in the story? Here's a man going, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not worthy. It's not that I'm going to show off my house. I'm thinking about this as I sent people for you to come. I'm like, oh, what am I doing? I'm not worthy for you to be in my house. Can I help you? You want great faith? You and I have to get a point of realizing this. We are nothing without Jesus Christ. No, I mean, we are nothing. And if we can't humble ourselves and come into a place like this and receive the word from Sunday school teachers and preachers and stuff, can I tell you? You're going to be able to leave of little faith. Oh, you have faith. You may have saving faith. You're going to have some faith. But you'll never grow and see the things that you desire. These wonderful stories. They are real. They happen today. I've seen people healed of cancer. I've seen God do amazing miracles. I've heard, we were just at the fellowship meeting, heard an amazing story about the, uh, uh, what, the hurricane that came through and everything. I mean, it was a great story. And literally through there, how many times God intervened and just, I'm like, praise God. But I tell you, you see stuff like that when you humble yourself, say, God, I trust you and I believe. And I'm convinced today that there's people here that love Jesus, and you read the word, and you're like, why am I not growing, and why aren't great things happening in our life? And I'm convinced part of the problem is the longer we're saved, one of our great sins is this, pride. We get lifted up in ourselves and quit learning and listening. And I want to challenge you, humble yourself like this man of power and prestige who said, I need you. And as long as you don't think you need anybody, then guess what? You can't grow. You cannot grow. And I can't tell you how long I've preached. Uh, and now listen, I, I don't want you to take this wrong. I really don't. There's people in my church that probably have never come forward and prayed. They've never bowed themselves down. And I mean, probably a lot. I remember one time as a young man sitting there, and uh, I was saved, uh, one of the leaders in the youth department. And uh, for a couple of years, God just kept convicting me to go forward. And I'm like, why? Whatever he's preaching, I'm not doing. So I'm not. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not a gambler. Not immoral. This is too young. You know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not addicted to drugs. And I don't know where to get them. <laughs> I mean, really, I, we live this moral life, and these preachers preaching every weekend. It's like, I want to go forward. I mean, he's preaching on not leaving your wife. I'm not married. Just, I don't know. I was like 14, 15, 13. I don't know. But I still remember this day. And, it, and then one day, I'm like, I'm tired of this. And I went forward. It's like, as soon as I stepped out, it's like God said, that's all I wanted. So once you get prideful, you just need to humble yourself. I think sometimes we need to bow and pray. Because if we're not willing to humble ourselves, even in the house of God, how are we going to receive from him? So it's just, again, it's just a thought. But that's not even the crutch of the message. Those are all points just leading up. You know those things. But here was the key. He's talking to this guy, and this guy says, you don't need to come. Did you catch it? Just speak the word. No, no, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, you just speak. And I believe all the way over here at my house, this servant that is at my house, if you, Jesus, will speak the word, 
He says, he will be healed. Folks, that's never happened. No, no, all the healings, you don't see that story anywhere. Go back to Luke chapter 4. There's nowhere from the casting out of the demons to the healing of the sick. Jesus is there. He's touching. He's speaking right there. They're in the presence. He is there. This man catches something no other Jew caught, no other person who knew the word of God. Everybody missed it. What's this? You are a man of authority. And literally, I'm a man of authority. Here's how authority works. If I tell a servant to do something, it's as though I said it. And if they're 20 miles away and they tell the troops to do this, every troop will follow. Why? Because that came from me. And you are the God of the universe. You are a great healer. If you speak the word, it will travel all the way through and it will touch my servant and they will be healed. So Jesus, don't come, just speak the word. And Jesus stops and says, that's it. That's it. That's great faith. Do you not believe that the God of this universe can do great things? Then let me tell you the great key to great, to great faith. Are you ready? You have to honor authority. Oh, yeah. This man said, I'm a man of authority. Read it in verse 6, 7. I'm a man of authority. This is what he's saying. He's, he's telling you what the key is. He says, the person of authority spoke. The person of authority spoke. Everybody believed. That's true and that's real. I believe it. Do we not believe God sets up all authorities? That's what our Bible says, Hebrews 13, last I read. God sets up the authorities. We have a rebellious problem today in America. And it's flooded into Christianity. And I'm not into hero worship. I'm not into lifting people. No, 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 no. Not even close. But can I tell you? In that vein where you had sometimes in Christianity lifting people up way farther than they should be lifted up. Because can I tell you? It's all about Jesus Christ. We lift him up. But now we come to this pendulum swing. And now instead of lifting individuals up, which we shouldn't have been doing and don't need to be doing. But now it's like, oh, no, we'll, we'll honor nobody. Nobody will tell me what to do. Nobody will guide my family. It'll just be me. And I'm telling you what's lacking. We're lacking faith in our society today. And our churches aren't seeing great things happen. Why? Because we don't believe why. Because we won't follow God's authorities. We're in homes and wives don't want to submit to husbands and husbands don't want to submit to pastors and bosses and nobody wants to follow and kids don't want to follow their parents. And guess what? You can't have great faith unless you can honor and obey. No, read it. I grew up in San Diego, California. I remember going to a, the military base there. And uh, I was going with my dad to play racquetball. And uh, so we got on because... He was in the military, and we're walking on, and I remember everybody stopping as we're walking to play racquetball and began saluting this vehicle. And it was whatever the general's car, the big commander of the base. You know, you had flags on the front. I mean, literally, everybody's like, I'm like, Dad, what are they doing? Like, well, son, that's the commander of the base, and uh, you're, you're going to salute the vehicle. And then my dad said this, if his wife's driving the car, you'll stop and salute it. Because those flags on there represent the commander. If a lieutenant is driving the car, you'll salute it. And then he said this, if the dog's driving the car. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not saluting. I'm like, whoa. No, no. He, here's what he said. He says, that car to this base represents the commander. And whoever's in that car, you will show respect because you're showing respect to the commander because it has the emblems on it. I went, ooh, that never left me. Never left me. When I was at... California, we probably saw more people called into the ministry than I've ever seen in that church. I could never figure it out until I read this passage. I literally never could. These guys would come out of the military, come to the church there, surrender to preach, start going in ministries all over the world. And then it hit me why. They know how to follow authority. 
they quickly surrendered to God like they quickly surrendered to their lieutenant. No, they didn't. God began to bless them in immense ways, immense ways in their families because their attitude was, whatever you want, God. Yes, sir. You want me to work in the children's church? Yes, sir. You want me to work in the nursery? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, it was, yes, sir. No, no. Yes, yes, sir. You betcha. You want me to clean the church? Yes, sir. You want me to be a missionary? Yes, sir. No, it was just like, yes. And whenever an authority that was set up, it was never about the, per- it was never about the person in charge. It was always about the position. When that position spoke, it was as though, are you ready? Listen, God said I got to follow that. And not if it's illegal or immoral. Be, have some common sense. No message like this would be taken too far. Oh, you got to put it in balance. Oh, they're trying to do something illegal or immoral. Well, that's not from God. That's pretty simple. But, but when it's not, and they're saying, hey, I want you to do that. Well, I don't like that. Or that's a little difficult. No, 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 wait. This man, Jesus stopped and says, wait. For eternity, we're reading. Thousands of years, like, we're reading this story. Uplifting this man who wasn't a Jew, who had the greatest faith in the nation of Israel. The Jews wrote the Bible. Are you aware of this? They wrote the Bible. And the man that Jesus stops to applaud and lift up is a Roman centurion who is just a proselyte. And he got one of the greatest keys to Christian living, faith. And he said this for the first time ever, Jesus, you just speak and it'll happen because I believe you. We would like to say that we trust God that much, but here's what the test is. If you can't trust the authorities that are over you right now and you have trouble following in your heart or out here, then you will not attain and please God in the area that he wants it the most in great faith. It's tough. We, um, three years ago, uh, we did something I said we'd never do. For 25 years in my pulpit, I would laugh at the thought of starting a Christian school. Oh, yeah. I grew up in a Christian school. I'm not against them. I just happen to know what comes with them. Yeah, oh, yeah, I do. I'm very aware of all the problems behind the scenes. You may not be aware of that. I know you have a little Christian school here. You guys have no idea what you're doing. Uh, that's a joke. It was like four times our size, okay? And we just started one. Um, but I didn't. I, seriously, I, I did not want one at all. I knew how God worked. And one day in my office, God says, you're starting a Christian school. And I told our church, here's what that means. Now, of course, when I told the church, spontaneous applause broke out. They were just waiting for the pastor. Uh, they love it. It was great. But I told him, I said, listen, when God tells us to do something, here's what that means. When he speaks, we just do it. So we did all the research, and we started it. And I'm going to be honest, not because I wanted to. Now, I love it now. No, we do. Just two and a half years in, love it. I love what it's going to produce. I really do. But I really just didn't want to go through the pain of, of all the startup, what it takes, dealing with people, parents. <laughs> Man, they're the worst. And uh, <laughs> teachers and stuff. <laughs> Bless their little hearts. And... Uh, and uh, so seriously, I, I didn't want to deal with all that. And the guy's like, no, we need it in this culture. So we said, yes. So I said, here's how this works. We're going to step out by faith, and we're just going to go. We're going to go. God's done a great thing. We had 10 kids saved since August of this last year. My guy's doing great things. Uh, these kids memorizing scripture. We could do chapel. Like, you know, all the stuff you know. We do the same curriculum. That's a blessing to see. You know, it's, it's fun to be a part of that. But you know how we had to do it? By faith. We knew it was going to be an expense. We're like, we're just going to step up by faith. We relocated about 70 acres of land on the highway. 
and uh, totally relocated our facilities about 15 years ago. Uh, has faith. But can I tell you, uh, those are exciting things to do if you have faith. They're pretty scary and divisive if you don't. I'm glad our church had the faith. I don't know where you're at, but I know this. You want to please our Heavenly Father? Let me give you a key. You grow in your faith. Why would I want to please him? He's God. He's the greatest gift giver in the world, James 1.17. You please God, he'll take care of you like you can't imagine. And I'm convinced we are people of faith because it takes saving faith, and we've got the faith of grain of mustard seed to get saved. By the way, if you're here today, you don't have to have great faith to go to heaven. Hey, this message wasn't for you if you're here. To, no, no. If you're here today, you don't have to have this amazing faith and this great understanding of authority and this great humility. No, no. You know what you need? You need to put your faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. He said, if you have a little bit of faith and just come and say, I don't get everything, but, but I believe, God says, I'll take that. We'd love for you to come and get saving faith. But if you are saved, hey, some of you need to start right at the beginning. You need to grow in the word of God. You need to commit, get in the word, read the word of God. Some of you need to humble yourself and just bow before God and say, God, would you use me? And then for a lot of us, you got to go to that final level. It's time for us to start obeying in a culture that teaches us, nobody tells me what to do. And we start saying, it's all about you, God. You guide me through the authorities you're going to put in my life. And God, I'll follow. And God says, now that is great faith because you're trusting my word when you don't even see it happening. You don't even know how it's going to happen, but you're just trusting Almighty God. Let's please our Heavenly Father. Let's commit today to this. Lord, I'm probably not there yet, but would you help me get to great faith? And then I can't wait to hear what's happening at Oakwood Baptist Church in the next several years as you explode with great faith.